0: Impact Hustlers, the podcast on entrepreneurs and change makers that are creating solutions to the world's biggest problems. Impact Hustlers is brought to you by Fast Forward 2030 and Real Changers. Visit fastforward2030.com to learn how to include the global goals into your business model and realchangers.com to find talent and careers with impact. And this is your host, Michael Shafroth. This is Impact Hustlers, the podcast on the entrepreneurs that solve the world's biggest social and environmental problems. And I'm your host, Michael Shafrat. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Uh, if you like this episode, make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and share the episode, most importantly, with a friend. To keep updated on new episodes, visit impacthustlers.com and sign up for our email alerts. And follow us on Twitter as well, at Impact Hustlers. Enjoy today's episode, and let's go. In today's episode, I talk to Emily Penn, co-founder and director of X Expedition, a company organizing all women sailing trips, exploring the impact of plastics on the world's oceans, and conducting valuable research. She's an ambassador for Sky Ocean Rescue, and has spoken about the threats to our oceans on the BBC, Sky News, and many conferences around the world. So far, X Expedition has done about eleven trips across the ocean with more than a hundred women, and it's great to have you on the show, Emily. Great to be here. Thanks for joining me. Uh, what's your personal story of discovering this problem of ocean plastic, and how did you come up with
1: this? So I was twenty-one. I had just graduated from university with a degree in architecture, and I lined up my first job in Australia. And I wanted to get there from England without taking an aeroplane. So I started looking at a way to travel by boat across the Atlantic and the Pacific Oceans. Came across this project called Earth Race. It was a crazy rocket ship boat that was powered by biofuel and had broken the round the world speed record. I managed to get a job on board this boat to do the promotional tour to take it from England to Australia. And it was on that journey around the world where my eyes were opened to this issue of plastic and and many other challenges that our oceans face. The collapse of fisheries and the rising sea levels and the acidification and the effect on corals. But really, it was the plastic that was just jumping out at me every island that we visited, every beach we walked on, every mid-ocean swim that we went for, we were finding these fragments of plastic. Um, And it just didn't make any sense. And so I wanted to do something about it.
0: Mm -hmm. So doing that trip, you already gained your skills you're using now for conducting those expeditions, right? Uh, So in terms of being a skipper of a boat.
1: Absolutely. So I had 25,000 nautical miles going around the world on that boat, which is the equivalent really of doing a laugh around the planet. And so that gave me all the experience that I needed to then go on and get my captain's license so I could lead these expeditions. But I think it also gave me the inspiration that when you see an issue like that firsthand, you experience it, you really want to do something about it. And it was that journey that changed my life forever. And so what I wanted to do afterwards was give other people the chance to have that same shift.
0: Mm -hmm. So explain to us what X expedition is. Um, How does it work? What's your impact that you're trying to create through those expeditions?
1: So it's a series of all women's voyages. Uh, we have a 70-foot boat, sailing boat, and we run these expeditions mostly going out to very polluted parts of our planet, uh, what we call these gyres, and they're the accumulation zones where because of the ocean currents, all the plastic eventually kind of ends up in the, in the middle of this accumulation zone, also ends up on the seabed as well. And so we go out there to do research To really understand the impact of this plastic, to try and pinpoint sources of the plastic, um, but also to see with our own eyes what's going on. And so we take 14 women on -hmm. each of these voyages. And it's a journey, you know, a journey of discovery and um, storytelling Mm -hmm. and something that stays with the women forever, you know, once they get home. And we really hope that it means they go on to do amazing things, to change this issue of Ocean Plastic for the better once they get back to their communities in wherever they come from around the world.
0: Mm -hmm. And you're also saying you're conducting citizen research. What's citizen research if uh, somebody hasn't heard about that What does that mean? Are you collecting any data? Yes, it's citizen science.
1: It's kind of the word that we give to when you have non-scientists in the field collecting data on behalf of scientists. Mm -hmm. So we have a partnership with the University of Plymouth here in the UK. And we have a lead scientist there who puts together the scientist program. But out in the field, um, sometimes that scientist is on board, but sometimes they're not. And the crew members are collecting the data on her behalf. Um, And so it's a combination of putting the trawl through the water to look at the microplastics that are floating on the surface of the ocean, uh, doing work to actually look what's sinking to the depths in the seabed, taking samples of the air, uh, taking actual samples of the water itself to see what chemical pollutants might be in there as well and that's something that we can all collect you can follow a set of instructions and you can make sure that you're following the protocol and then it means that that information and the samples can get sent back to the lab to be properly analyzed there so it's basically a way that we can all take part in data collection Mm
0: -hmm. and what's some of the impact that this research has created or is creating right now What, what is this actually used for
1: Yeah, so a combination of things. Originally, it was about really just trying to understand um, how much plastic was out there and where was it. And that's where we discovered that most of it was ending up in these gyres. But we also started realising other things, like the fact that it was fragmenting into tiny pieces. Because the first time I went on a scientific expedition to one of these gyres, I was expecting to find this kind of island of plastic. And I got out there and realised that actually it was a soup. And it was something that was very hard to document, to see, and particularly hard to try and clean up. Mm. And so a lot of the research is actually trying to first understand the problem, because by understanding the problem, then we can work out how to solve it. And so we need to realize that it's micro, we need to realize that it's sinking, and that it's not as easy as just going and scooping it up. And then we also need to understand the impacts that that plastic is having on the marine environment. So we now know that it's getting into the food chain, for example. It's getting into the shellfish that we then eat. It's getting into even the zooplankton that are the basis of the whole food chain. Um, And those are really important impacts for us to understand. Um, So a whole combination of things that the science can do. But most importantly for me, how can science identify where the solutions lie? And that's what I want to find out.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. And how do you fund everything? Do the women that participate pay you or do you have sponsorships? Um, I think you're structured as a community interest company. We don't get that very often on the show, but talk us a bit through that. What's your business model? Is there any or sure. are you trying to run this as a nonprofit?
1: Yeah, so we are a CIC, a community interest company. And we really, a combination of all those things you just said is how we operate. Um, so it's mostly and started out being through crew contributions, So we take the cost of the boat, we divide it by the number of people on board and everyone has to raise those funds. They might do it through paying it, they might do it through fundraising or through sponsorship, a grant. It really is kind of crowdsourced from many different places. And when you have... Um, a group that go and do a trip Um, we do about 15 trips a year is what we're about to go and do for this round the world and there's 10 people then who are crowdsourcing on board you know suddenly you've got 150 people per year kind of crowdsourcing this expedition cost and then on top of that we have some sponsorship so the crew cover the costs of the boat going to see the food, the fuel, the professional crew. And then it's the sponsorship that covers things like the science and the impact and those um, you know, much bigger aims that the expedition has.
0: Amazing. Um, with all the expeditions you did over the last few years, and I'm sure you went on all of them, multiple?
1: Most of, Many them, of them, yeah. Most of them. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, have you seen that the problem is getting worse? Uh, have you gained hope with anything? Is there progress being made or... Is the situation hopeless? Like, yeah. uh, how has your experience through the last few years and what did you observe?
1: So, I think it's gone in two opposite directions. Mm. Um, the awareness of the issue has just grown and grown. So, I'm in my 12th year of working on plastic pollution. Well, and most people probably first heard about the problem two years ago. And in that time, it's gone from zero to 100% mm. of the population knowing about it, which is just incredible. So great awareness. However, last summer, I crossed the North Pacific, sailed from Hawaii to Vancouver, and I pulled out of the water the densest sample of plastic pollution I've ever seen Hmm. in my 12 years of working on this problem. Hmm. So in one way, it's a really positive story. But on the other hand, the oceans haven't yet kind of felt that positivity of what is happening on land in terms of awareness so I think the missing link right now is we need to turn that awareness into action to actually turn the situation around mm. so that then the next expedition we do uh, we'll see less hmm.
0: and do you think there's enough solutions out there and they just need to be deployed I mean there's there's um, tech startups like the ocean cleanup I think they got a lot of press and there's there's other initiatives that clean up the oceans is there other solutions known that just need to be applied, or do you see there's really a big gap still to do a lot of research and development, and for companies to come in, or for NGOs to come in and clean this up?
1: Yeah, I think it's somewhere in the middle. I think um, so firstly the cleanup. Um, I don't want to say solutions because really they're mm. they're cleaning up. Mm. For me, solutions lie upstream. Yeah. Because if we want to actually solve the problem of eight million tons of plastic going into our ocean every year we need to do that on land um, before it even gets out there the fact that this plastic fragments it sinks means that cleanup is a nearly impossible option to us not that that's doom and gloom because oceans are actually very good at recovering being resilient if we leave them alone for long enough to, to recover so the big message is let's take the pressure off let's stop any more getting out there. So that points us upstream. So then the solutions that we're looking at are things like changes in technology. So all of this incredible innovation at the moment, like interesting new materials that are fully biodegradable, closed loop systems that mean nothing actually ends up as waste. And there's Interesting intermediate solutions like uh, waste energy, things that we can kind of implement now, but perhaps aren't the long term solutions we're looking for. So there's loads of technology out there that exists. It's just a case of implementing it. Mm. So I think we we can do it. It's a bit of a shift in mindset, I think, that's needed right now for companies to say actually we're going to make it a priority, and for governments to be able to put it at the top of the agenda. And that's definitely happening, but we've just got another hurdle to take
0: Mm -hmm. let's talk about the less glorious parts of starting such a company and such a initiative right um uh obviously when you read the articles and if you look at your website um it's great what you've achieved and you've kind of grown from the first kind of just doing a one trip into now you said that uh, i think you want to take 150 women a year is that right yep (laughs) um so obviously you've grown massively While doing that, what's been the toughest challenge of doing that? Um, Has has there been moments where you run out of money or had some other challenges that you didn't expect?
1: Yeah, I think, um, I mean, you've put it really well, the online story says one thing that looks quite glamorous. You know, I have a job where I get to sail around the world, I get to go to all these beautiful places and beaches, they might be covered in plastic, but you know, there's a lot of tropical climates involved. Um, And it looks like it's a sort of permanent holiday. But um, (laughs) as we know, the reality is, you know, it's the staying up late all night, working on your spreadsheets, trying to figure out how to make the whole thing work. And there's a huge number of sacrifices that come with it. So I think for me, the hardest thing was in the early years was yeah, the sacrifices, basically, and not Having any income for the first three or four years of what I was doing, and I was having to live off the goodwill of others in the situations that I was in, but also um, to earn that goodwill, I was basically giving my time. For example, living on a little Tongan island in the middle of the Pacific oh. with a local family, but I was working for the community in the school every day on the plastics issue. Mm. And so it's amazing, but you don't have, in a weird way, you don't have any freedom to then just say, actually, you know what, tonight I want to go to the cinema Mm. or this winter I want to go on a skiing holiday with my friends and things that might seem kind of normal to, you know, a current London living millennial, but actually when you choose a path um, to, you know, to do a startup where you, you, you basically, the journey takes you where it takes you. And there's no real diverging off that until you get yourself into a kind of comfortable enough position that you can take a holiday, for example. <laughs> um, you know, or or do something um that, that you would have normally considered as normal.
0: No. Uh, yeah, I, I can only imagine obviously um being being on that journey. Um to anybody looking to um get involved, what what can they do?
1: Um Get involved with what we're doing, or what you doing, or with, with, doing or with the, the problem as well. I mean, sure. on, on both levels, right? So, so uh, many ways to get uh, involved. Obviously, yeah. there's a
0: way to join you, but then uh, there's probably other ways to to help solve that problem as well. Absolutely,
1: um, what yeah. You so, obviously, many levels of engagement in terms of um, getting involved with solving the problem. Um, it's when it comes to plastic, it's all about minimizing your use of single-use plastic, the mm-hmm. stuff that you just use once. That's the best place to start in your daily life. Um, in terms of getting involved with what we're doing, joining X Expedition, uh, you can apply to be on a leg of the journey. Uh, so the website is with 2 xscom and all the information about signing up is there. And really what we're trying to get people to do is think about what more they can be doing than just minimizing their single-use plastic Mm. um, to solve the problem. And the question that we're asking is, what is your superpower? Mm. What is the unique thing that you bring to the table? Are you an engineer, a politician, a teacher, a chef, a packaging designer? Where does that intersect this problem of plastic pollution? And how can you leave an expedition equipped to go away and solve it.
0: Mm. Um, yeah and I'd actually like to talk uh, about your role as an ambassador for Sky Ocean Rescue as well. Can you tell us more about how you got approached for that or how that initiative even started and what are you doing as part of that?
1: Yeah so Sky Ocean Rescue started Two and a half years ago and it was launched as part of Sky News looking into the plastics issue and Sky then decided to take that issue on at a corporate level um, and realise that they actually really had a power to do something and they made a pledge as a company by the end of 2020, to be single use plastic free. So quite a bold pledge for a a big company, uh, which impressed me. And um, they asked me to come and speak at an event for them a few Mm. years ago. So I went to to do a talk and share my experiences and that's where our relationship began and um, ended up then a year ago with me taking on the role as ambassador for them. Um, And it entails uh, various different things. One is being a spokesperson for the issue. Um, And uh, representing Sky Ocean Rescue. Uh, The other part is actually working on the Ocean Ventures program, which I'm on the advisory board there. And they invested £25 million into new innovations to solve uh, the plastics issue and um, looking at new technologies and new systems. So I get to uh, look at where that money is invested and have an input on that, which is very exciting. And then also on the business front, help advise Sky on ways that they can meet their goal by the end of next year um, to uh, be single-use plastic-free as a a company.
0: Well, um, in terms of the startups that you see uh, through through that investment program, what What is one of the most promising solutions you've seen or some of the most creative ones that you've seen out there?
1: Yeah, so one of the very creative ones um, at the moment is called Uhu. And mm. have you come across we, it? We
0: had the founders actually on this podcast. So Amazing. we had Pierre Yves uh, <laughs> uh, It's a company called Skipping Rock Labs, yes. but the product is called Uhu. It's uh, basically... Well, you can explain it. Yeah,
1: algae. Um, yeah. That's, uh, yeah, how to describe it without a pitcher. Um, it's, it's like a little pouch. Um, imagine a little ketchup sachet, but with an algae wrapper, um, and then any form of liquid can go inside. Um, and so this is something that was trialed for the London Marathon um, oh. this year, very successfully, um, and is looking at all sorts of other ways that it can be introduced to, to solve other parts of the problem.
0: Mm -hmm. and i I think they've worked with uh, big drinks brands already to really repackage how, how drinks are consumed um even this podcast is sponsored by fast forward 2030 uh we're hosting regular events we had them at one of our events as well and could enjoy the little bubbles of water and drinks so that was 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 really great to see um do you think there's enough being done in that space in terms of alternative packaging um because it seems like just in the last few days when I observed what I consumed, like there's plastic just everywhere and it's mm. very hard to get rid of it. Do you see, uh, is it moving fast enough? Probably not, right?
1: Yeah, I I think the thing is the solutions are there. It's just a case of adopting them. And I think we have this tendency to look for one answer that's gonna solve all of our problems. Because plastic is this kind of miracle material and you can use it for hundreds of different things and it solves every problem. But the reality is the solutions lie in diversity because if we turned all of the single-use plastic that we use today into algae alternatives then we create bigger problems for ourselves with the production of that algae and what happens to it afterwards and likewise if we used cornstarch or one of these other materials and so i think we need to get into that mindset of saying let's take the most appropriate solution for the most appropriate situation rather than trying to substitute all plastic with a new thing because we're never going to find a a silver bullet solution
0: Mm -hmm. um let's talk about uh what's next for you and for x expedition if you think about the next 10 years Uh, what does the world look like if you actually succeed with what you're trying to do?
1: Wow, 10 years. That seems like a long time. (laughs) Um, I've always had a bit of a philosophy where, a bit like when you're at sea, um, you're constantly shifting your sails, reacting to the changes in the environment around you. So if the wind picks up or the waves change direction, you know, you respond and you let that guide your course. And it's also the way that I feel like I've traveled through life. You know, I got on that boat when I was 21 and I saw a problem and I shifted my course to solve it rather than going and having my architecture career. And I've kind of kept on responding ever since. And so the idea of thinking 10 years ahead is actually not really the sort of philosophy that I approach life Mm. with, um, because who knows what I'll learn tomorrow that I'll want to implement to affect the direction that I'll head the next day. Mm. Um, But you know, it's, it's yeah. gonna, we're, we're changing the world, you know, no, we're, well, we're sort of a, <laughs> you know, it, yeah. it's all about shifting mindsets, yeah. it's about building an army, and yeah. it's about solving these global problems. Um,
0: absolutely, it's an interesting approach. Obviously, um, if you look at the media, entrepreneurs generally uh portrayed as having this massive vision and they know exactly how it's going to work out in 30 years you know um but very often you forget <laughs> it's actually a process of constantly just adapting to new environments mm-hmm. and to what's needed right now so it's it's great to hear from you that that that's part of your approach as well um
1: absolutely very
0: good to hear Perfect. Um, thank you very much for joining me today. It was uh, exciting to hear more about X Expedition. I think everybody should check it out. And uh, there's a, a small documentary skit about you guys as well, um, you girls actually. Um, <laughs> so please uh, check that out. And um, thanks very much for joining me. Great. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you liked this episode, make sure to subscribe. Leave a review and share the episode with a friend. To keep updated on new episodes, visit impacthustlers.com and sign up for our email alerts. And also follow us on Twitter at impacthustlers. Thanks very much for tuning in and see you next week. This was Impact Hustlers, the podcast on entrepreneurs and changemakers that are creating solutions to the world's biggest problems. Impact Hustlers is brought to you by Fast Forward 2030 and Real Changers. Visit FastForward2030.com to learn how to include the global goals into your business model and RealChangers.com to find talent and careers with impact. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, share the episode, leave us a review and consider becoming a supporter on buymeacoffee.com slash impact hustlers this means a lot to me thank you very much for tuning in and see you next time bye